Hello my pretty pretties, you're listening to In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile. <laughs> I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for creeping by. Well, it's a time of year where everything's beginning to decay and die around us, and the spirits that used to inhabit the detritus are thought to have more strength and visibility. So, in an attempt to understand the sometimes visible and audible but rarely touchable, all kinds of friendly still living folks have come by the woodpile to tell about their run ins with the weird and eerie a bursting coffin, a satanic librarian, cooking up children and girls getting snatched up by hands in unseen doorways. But first up, a girl who could hear voices in the woods. Yeah, I moved to the forest in Tennessee in this little weird little cabin outside of Murfreesboro. And uh, it was in this big forest. It was like a really long driveway through the woods to get to this weird little cabin. Um, This little kind of two-story cabin with a garage attached to it with wood floors. And, um, yeah, it was strangely small. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was surrounded by a really dense forest, like the kind of forest where you can't see into it Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like probably like 10 feet and anything could be going on in there and it got really dark early in the day because as soon as the sun was down the trees you can see so being from the desert of new mexico i found it very uh very intense it was very um i don't want to say claustrophobic exactly but it was definitely felt like it was enclosed in the forest when i lived there that uh it was a very energetically intense place more than i had anticipated because we moved there and it was just it was kind of undeniable that weird things were happening such as? Well, the, the neighbor lived up on a hill, and their Jeep was being kept up uh, on the top of the hill by some rocks behind their tires, uh-huh. and they just were moved one day, and the Jeep just rolled down the hill and into a tree. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and there weren't people around. And then I don't tend to see things that are not necessarily there. I, I tend to hear things that are not necessarily there, but my husband saw spirit shape walk past the door as it was open he was sitting in a chair so i was like well this is really weird and creepy and i don't know that i want to be here but i was kind of stuck there i was really really uh physically ill and i was there alone a lot and i was spending just a lot of time in pain and just kind of trying to breathe through that pain and just kind of be in in the moment um i didn't have anything else to do exactly so i was do a lot of reading and knitting and um and so I just started hearing kind of like a conversation in my head, kind of my own voice, but it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, this very kind of peaceful, quiet, kind of slow-moving energy. It wasn't like a person. I don't really know how to describe it, but I kind of figured it was the forest. And it had contacted me because the people who owned the property were doing some really weird things. And it wanted me to try to kind of help to communicate with them. They were cutting down all kinds of trees all over the property for no apparent reason. They just decided they didn't want a bunch of trees to be there, so they started cutting them down and mowing a lot of grass and kind of, you know, 
pulling out that kind of denser, kind of low ground foresty stuff to make it more like meadowy, as humans like to do. And then also their cars apparently had, you know, oil leaks or gas leaks or something that were dripping into the ground. And so from what I can tell, you know, unless I'm insane, which is possible, um, the forest was kind of like, what the hell, man? (laughs) And kind of figured out that I was able to hear it and it wanted to know what the hell was going on. But I, it was very sad because I said, you know, I, I'm glad to talk to you, but I don't think I can go to my landlord and say, you know, so the forest would like to know, like, why you're being an asshole. Because I, I knew they wouldn't listen to me. I, did, I don't think I found closure for it. Like, it was and then I figured out that there was this other weird voice going on that was totally different. It was like, it was kind of like the attitude of a gesture. Like, it was kind of troublemaking and always seeking kind of its own amusement. That I think that it was kind of like a traveling spirit, and I think it was the one that made the jeep fall down the hill and stuck into a tree. So we brought home a, a, a storm door from the thrift store, and we were really excited that we found one from the thrift store that was the, opened on the right side because it was unusual that it opened on the side that it did. And we were really lucky that we found it. We were going to install it on our door, and it was leaning up against the railing of the porch, and there was no wind whatsoever. It was just a really quiet day. And we were both standing in the kitchen, and all of a sudden it snapped down across the whole porch and broke into a million pieces for no apparent reason. There weren't any animals around or anything. And uh, I kind of had to figure out that the forest spirit was friendly and just it didn't want to bother me. It was just kind of curious. But then the trickster one was more, you know, you kind of had to watch out and make sure you weren't giving it too much because it was entertained by, by messing with people. And then there were some other weird things, like there was drumming in the forest, and I don't know that there were people there and it would happen at all kinds of weird times but there was this really intense rhythmic drumming that would come from the trees really intense living out there and there was a point where I realized that whatever that trickster spirit was that had kind of maybe negative intentions was potentially kind of I don't know kind of drawing on me because I was sick and uh, it ended up being like a really big motivation for me because I realized that I think everyone has energy, kind of like batteries, like the Matrix, you know? Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to protect yours and make sure that you're using it for your own purposes because otherwise somebody else will. So um, it was kind of motivation for me to get going um, in my life in a different direction than I had been going in. So I'm kind of a reluctant psychic, you know? Like, I right. didn't really mean to have these experiences, and I don't totally know what to do with them. The house that we're buying right now, I went into it, and my, my mother-in-law came up to me, and she said, do you think there's somebody in this house? Because, like, I'm getting goosebumps. And I was like, yeah, and in the room with the flowers on the wall, right, the wall, flower wallpaper, and she was like, oh, yeah. And so I went in there, and I started talking to this really, really nice old lady spirit, and she was super cool. She was really friendly and sweet. You know, I talked to her about, you know, is it okay if we move into your house, and is this going to be all right that we're sharing the space together? And she was really nice, and it seemed like it was okay, but I haven't been able to verify, like, if there's information about her that I think I know that's accurate. But I do feel comfortable in moving into that space and knowing that, yes, maybe it's haunted, but yes, maybe that's okay. I try to put boundaries around who's who has access to my head, but I don't feel like I can just totally shut it down anymore. And the psychic I talked to was really cool that she said, you know, you can talk to animals, you can talk to trees, you can mm-hmm. kind of you know, connect to whoever you want. And I've kind of realized that, that there's an energy in everything and that everything has an opinion and would love to have something to say if anybody was willing to listen. Next, an 
elderly woman from Zimbabwe tells us, with some help from my wife translating, about some tendencies of the dead in her country. She's saying that like in Haifels there was a girl who got pregnant and the mother um, aborted the pregnancy and during the process the girl died. So people will see her. She'll be stopping cars and then she'll say, I'll take you home. And then when she took them home, she'll take them home to the graves. So she was saying that most of the times people like that, like if they die and they've got so much anger in them, mm. that's the reason why they end up okay. coming back. She's talking about her relative who died. Oh, before she died, she had three sons and one of the sons married an older woman. So she said that if ever she, whenever she died, she didn't want it to put there's a tradition that you have to carry. Yeah, it's a pot of clay with water, which you have to put in front of the coffin. So she said she didn't want the daughter-in-law to do it. So she told her as so, an auntie. She also told her children that she didn't want anything from her son. But the other children, so when she died, they didn't tell anybody. But the girls, I think they were too embarrassed or they didn't want to embarrass their brother to tell him not to do anything. Mm -hmm. So this son, because he didn't know, he bought a blanket and then he put some money there. So in front of the coffin, like uh, there's a blanket which wraps the body, mm -hmm. and then there's another one which, which covers the coffin. Mm -hmm. So he did all that, and he put some money in there, and the mother I think wasn't happy mm -hmm. with all that. So whilst the mother was in, in the mortuary, yeah. she got too big for the coffin. She got edema, and then it burst. And then she was saying that when she got home again, the coffin broke. So most of the times when things like that happen, it's a bad omen. And then when they took her to the graves, she says that it rained like it, it had never rained before. There was so much rain. Even the grave, there was everything, there was rain. So when they came back, I think the children told the truth or, or what their mother had said. So they right. made them pay. So they had to buy a goat. Make repercussions for what had happened to appease the spirits. Oh, did they sacrifice the goat? Yeah. Yeah, you know, just to appease the spirits. So they oh. killed it and then they and then they ate it. They say the sun didn't last long after that. He got sick within maybe three years or so. He died too. So maybe she wasn't appeased. Yeah, maybe she wasn't. What about the his wife, the older woman? She's <laughs> She's on a wheelchair. <laughs> Okay, she assisted her. The husband had been an ex-combatant, so she assisted in getting money for, because the husband was in it, all of it. So they were paid. Soon after that, she had a stroke, a wife, and then she's now in a wheelchair. Wow. She's disabled. That's the one bad mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to making your enemy sick for a small fee, which doctors in Zimbabwe also dabble in financial planning services from time to time. She's saying, you remember like what I was saying, that most of these people, they get all this from South Africa. 
people want to get rich so they get given stuff and then when they are given stuff they are told either some of them to put it in the closet and not allow anybody to touch it so give an example of what stuff someone might give them we they don't know some kind of a token in the token when they give it to you you're supposed to put it and nobody's supposed to touch it so when anybody touches it it changes so this person i think was given a token it was in a closet when somebody touched the closet when they opened they found that it was a man a short man and there was money that was only one incident the other short, incident, so there was, he was alive yes and he had money mm-hmm. yes Whoa. But did that screw things up? Did that change things? Yes, because if you see something like that from Norway, doesn't it scare you? Mm. Yeah. Then she was saying that the other token, like most of the times, they will say that to make porridge and you just place it by the door. You don't open, you don't do anything. Mm. So this girl used to do it and then she got curious. She wanted to know what was going on. She put in the plate with porridge and then she went to peep through the window. And she saw a very big snake in there. I don't know where it came from. The snake came in to eat the porridge? Yes. So you have to feed it. Then the other incident was, um, they were given a token. I think it was their daughter who was in South Africa. She brought it back. This girl, I think she got curious. She wanted to see what was going in there. And then she found it was a worm, which had grown big and it filled the whole tub. So after that, I think she let everybody know, and then the cameras and everybody, they came and they took pictures. Big worm. Yes. It was so big that it filled a tub. Yes. And the worm was supposed to bring them good luck and money? You see, that's the thing. I really don't understand why people believe that. They believe that when they do that, it will give them money. Was there any evidence from this? She says, yeah, they do make the money. You can see their lifestyle changing. Mm. Mm. But you see, that's my thing. You don't even know where the money is coming from. Mm. So I think most of the times there's a ritual, there's something which you have to do to keep up. Because you have to feed the snake. And this is one you feed the nation. I think it became too much for her. So she wanted to get rid of it. So she used the emergency taxis. She went to the showgrounds. And then when she got there, she asked, you know, those guys to help offload bag with the... With the snake in it? No, yeah, they didn't know. And then when they were taking it, uh, offloading from the car, she ran away and she left it. So these guys were looking to think, oh, why? Who left this bag or this sack with this? So they opened. When they opened it, they found a very big snake and it was beating out money. Mm. Most of the times, I think if you take the money, then which means you also taking the baggage as well. I remember growing up, they used to say, when you see money, don't pick it because you never know. You never know because maybe somebody has done something with the money, so you don't pick any money. Oh, it could be related to one of these. It's a ritual or whatever. Uh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I remember as a kid sometimes, I'd acknowledge a stray dog by saying hello or petting it and then getting annoyed because it would follow me everywhere after that. My next guest's family had some similar trouble, but with a ghost, it seems. So my family, growing up, we always had things happen. Always. 
um, and we had really what we called a poltergeist. And it, you know, when we were young enough, we didn't really know what that word was. We just knew that we would hear sounds when we were sleeping at night. We would wake up. It was myself and two brothers, and um, my youngest brother would be like yelling down the hallway, "Did you guys hear that?" Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah, did you hear that? Okay, what are we gonna do? I don't know. So we, our bedrooms lined up in one house that we lived in. So it was kind of like this um, weird comedy routine at night where we would hear footsteps going down the hallway and you could kind of ignore it for a while and then it would be running footsteps going down the hallway and then a door would open and shut and then a door would open and slam. So then we would all you know, wake up and kind of be freaked out in our bedrooms and did your parents hear this um it was really funny because um my dad was a scientist and to him things were black and white and you could either see them touch them taste them or feel them or they didn't exist and um he didn't like our issues at all he's like you know that it was a draft going through the house or it was a really old house um, you know, the wind caught the door, or you just heard the house settling. That was his favorite to say. So he heard it too, but he just thought well, it was Well, he tried to say that he didn't. Um, and their bedroom was a ways away from our bedrooms. So he would say, you know, I, I didn't hear anything. I don't know what you're talking about. But there was one night that things were so loud and so obvious and so crazy that we all wound up in my parents' room. And we're all piled in our bed and my dad was kind of like okay all right well you guys can all stay in here tonight if you want to because it got to the point where you just couldn't ignore it um and in that house i mean there were things that would happen a lot at night so it, it was more than one house yeah actually uh -oh. yeah and now that i'm an adult and actually have investigated like poltergeist mm -hmm. and those kind of things a lot of times the energy goes with you mm -hmm. and it can travel with families from place to place to place. Um, but in this house, a lot of stuff would happen at night, but then things would happen during the day too. And I, the one time that was really crazy to me that I remember the most was, um, there was a long hallway through the center of the house, a really long hallway. And um, I was walking down the hallway and I saw my mom. And I started saying like kids do, mom, mom, mom. And she kept walking and didn't turn around. And then she turned um, to go through a doorway and she walked through the dining area. And I'm still like, mom, 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 you know, and she just was not responding. And so I'm still saying mom, while this um, person walks through the, the uh, dining area and turned left to go into the kitchen. So you saw? Yeah, oh yeah, I was following a person. And it looked like your mom a little bit? It was a woman okay. with dark hair and I thought she was wearing her nightgown because my mom had these really kind of fancy, filmy, uh -huh. you know, hoity-toity uh -huh. nightgowns that ladies would wear. And I thought, well, that's really strange. Why is she wearing her nightgown? Because it was the middle of the day. And I thought, well, maybe she didn't feel good. Maybe she changed her nightgown. I don't know, whatever. But to me, I'm following my mom down the hallway. So I followed her down the hallway, followed her through the dining area, and I'm still like, mom. And then she answered me from her bedroom. Well, this person had just turned left to go into the kitchen, and my mom's bedroom was off to the right. And it was kind of like, what do you want? Because she's like, you know, why are you yelling my name? And I'm like, oh. So I walked into her bedroom, and I said, well, that's really funny. I just followed you into the kitchen. 
And she looked at me like, have you lost your mind? And then she realized what I was talking about. And she's like, so you saw something? I said, yeah, there was a woman in what looked like a nightgown that just walked through the house and walked into the kitchen. And she and I both walked into the kitchen and there was nobody there. It was like, she's like, and you really think you saw this? I said, I followed this person all the way through the house. It wasn't just, you know, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. It was me saying to you what I thought was you, turn around and talk to me because I need to tell you something. And instead, you're actually in your bedroom folding clothes, so it couldn't have been you. So she was kind of like, okay, well, that, that just happened. And there wasn't anything to, you know, do about it other than that just happened, you know. Did you ever try to figure out, like, first of all, like, where these things started and if there was some some death or thing that um, was associated you know, with the place? Or? I mean, the, it was um, a home that was part of a, what was a plantation mm -hmm. in this, the town that we lived in, and it was more of the servants' quarters, and it was a very, very old home. Um, but the guy that owned the house at that time didn't know anything associated with with the house. So y'all asked? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we were actually renting the place at the time, and my mom actually confronted him and said, you know, there's strange stuff that goes on in this house. And he's like, you know, kind of like... Could you ever tell, like, the, the, the race of the ghosts? Um, well, that, that time, I thought it was a woman, but our family was kind of like, okay, this is something we're dealing with, and it doesn't seem to be hurting anybody, so we just gave it the blanket name of George. Uh -huh. okay. We called the poltergeist George. Uh -huh. So whenever anything would happen, we'd say, well, George was really loud last night, or did you hear what George was doing last night? Um, and my mom would tell things that would happen to her and that, that didn't happen to other people. Like she said that one night she woke up as the sound of what sounded like a big picture full of ice crashed over and fell to the ground. And she said it was extremely loud and there was no way to ignore it. And she's Over like, her? No, no, no. It was, on, it was like in her bedroom, like on her dresser or something. It just like felt, it sounded like a pitcher full of ice falling over and falling to the ground. Very visceral. So we moved from that house to another house. Things would still happen. So Noises George got the moving van and came with George you. came with us. But it wasn't really bad. My older brother had moved out and I was in college. My younger brother was still there. I would come home from college and we had several vehicles that would be in the driveway so I'd never know who was home and who wasn't. Um, so when I would come in from college, I would always, you know, yell out, hey, I'm home, you know, who's here? Is anybody here? And um, our house was really dark. So if lights weren't on, it was really just a dark kind of place. And um, I came home one day from college and there were a couple of cars in the driveway, but um, again, I had no idea who might be there. So I yelled out, yeah, hey, is anybody here? And no answer. And so I think I got myself something to eat and maybe started laundry or something. And then I heard music upstairs, really loud. And my brother's room was upstairs. And I was like, oh, he must have been asleep. So I went down the hallway and went upstairs and I'm like, hey, hey, you know, are you here? He wasn't home but he had a tape player, because it was back in the days where you had actual tapes. Mm -hmm. He had a tape player in his bedroom, and it was playing the Beastie Boys. Mm -hmm. You've got to fight for your right to party, <laughs> as loud as it could play. And that was one of his favorite songs. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. He's not home. 
So in my mind, I thought, well, maybe the plug was kind of jiggled a little bit, and it just kind of jiggled back, and it, you know, started the tape back up. So I turned the tape off, went back downstairs, and started doing what I was doing, and not maybe a minute or two later, the music started up again, the same song from upstairs, and I was like, what in the heck? And I'm still trying to rationalize, well, maybe... Maybe he was upstairs in another part of the house, but why would he have not said anything? So I went back upstairs and I'm like, where are you? What are you doing? You know, why didn't you answer me? And there's nobody there. And at that point, I like look all over for what I thought might be my brother. And there's nobody there. And there's still this blasting music. And I'm like, crap. So I turned it off again. Literally had to push the button down hard to get the tape player to turn off. And then I reached over and unplugged the cord. And then I said to George or whoever, all right, do it again. And I decided at that point as I was walking back downstairs, I, if it happened again, I was just going to leave. Because uh -huh. at that point, it was just too visceral too for me. Yeah. yeah. Did it? No, no, no. But I just always remember that because it was like, there was no explanation for that. There was no way for that to have happened. And how long did this ghost follow y'all? For years, up until I think my parents left that house. And so that after you, like you moved out yeah. and your siblings moved out. Yeah. And that was There'd it. There still be things happen, but not, not as but much. But when your parents moved to the next place, that was it. Yeah, no, huh. nothing. I wonder who got George. I don't know, yeah. I don't know. And sometimes, I mean, I've heard theories that um, like poltergeist or uneasy spirits are attracted to spirits that are uneasy, like people that are uneasy or people that are not settled or... Was there somebody unsettled in your family or was it... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of unsettled in, okay. in my family. To, in my mind, that kind of attracted it, attracted that energy. And it wasn't necessarily a negative thing, but it, it did seem to gravitate. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm jealous too. Sharing a horrific similarity to the Old Testament story of Abraham and Isaac comes an ancient story from Korea called The Dutiful Son. Long, long ago, there lived a most filial man whose mother was dangerously ill. He bought all the medicines he could, but not one of them could cure her. One day a Buddhist priest came to him and asked, Have you a son? When he said he had a little boy, the priest said to him, Put your son in a big kettle, secure the lid tightly, and boil it for a whole day. Then make your sick mother drink the resulting broth, and she will be cured. The dutiful son found himself in a serious dilemma and hesitated to kill his only son. Then he reasoned, though I shall lose my son, I can always get another. But if I lose my mother, I can never have another. Therefore I must sacrifice my son to save my mother. At that very moment his son came back from school, so he seized him and plunged him into the boiling water in the kettle and fastened the lid securely. But a few minutes afterwards, another boy came in. He was exactly like his own son, whom he had just put in the kettle. He was very surprised and asked him who he was. He questioned him closely and found that he was without doubt his own son. 
So he tore the lid off the kettle, and there he saw, floating in the water, a wild ginseng root shaped like a man. He gave the broth to his sick mother, and she got better at once. The mysterious priest had been moved deeply by his filial piety and had given him the magical ginseng. In a neighboring village, there stands to this day a shrine of the dutiful son in memory of this man. Now we'll motion on over and down to Central America, where my auntie relayed some of the warnings and strangeness wrapped in the stories her mother told her when she was a little girl. And she talked about, if you're not going to sleeping, you won't see uh, La Llorona. It's a big lady she talked about us with a black dress. Is it a ghost? Yeah, like a ghost. Uh-huh. But she always said Llorona. Is it, like, how you say fantasmas? Uh, going in the street. If you not go sleeping, they're going to take you. Uh-huh. Every country has this. Right. But uh, I remember a little bit my grandma's sister, but she was, they, they talk about it when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. She has a little crystal. Uh, how you got? In the, the roof of her mouth? Uh-huh. She had a crystal a in the roof crystal, of her mouth. Exactly. And, uh, she put it there? No, she was born that way. Really? Mm-hmm. She always tell you, Every time somebody go and be in the house, she tell them before that person can get in the house. But they do not believe her because they thinking that she was maybe crazy or mm-hmm. anyway. But one night they say they disappeared and she was around the children's and she disappeared and they found her other day in the morning in the pineapple. So Lane. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, don't ask me if it's true or not, but this is what my mother talking about. They say that if they take care of her, she can be a big person because they can tell you what's going on or what happened later. Or, you know, like... Tell the future. The future, oh. yeah. But nobody do nothing for her. And, and she died like crazy. She disappeared. They said that it will take somewhere, you know. I don't know. After we're done, I'm going to find a crystal and stick it in my mouth. (laughs) Maybe you say something. Lastly, when I was a kid growing up in southern Indiana, I devoured a ton of books at the local public library. And down there in the dank basement where all the children's books were, there was an incredibly large selection of books on the paranormal, including witchcraft and the occult. But the books weren't just about the said subjects. They advocated the use of spells and prayers to animal spirits and forgotten gods to get what you wanted or whatever. My mom about gave birth to a cow when she found all the books I had checked out. After she explained the danger my soul had been put in, I became convinced that a witch either resided in the library basement or at least had a job somewhere in the building. As chance would have it, just a few months ago I ran into a woman who worked at the said library during those years. You know, I know exactly why that happened. How, okay, why? Because who was kind of a strange person herself. Okay, this, this and, is, and, she and, was the head librarian? or Yeah, she was the head librarian, and she was a Unitarian Universalist. And ah. she, many librarians have are very, very, very 
very liberal <laughs> and the anything by anybody creed goes you know uh -huh. i used to just go l ron hubbard the scientologist yeah. uh -huh. they used to send us books uh -huh. by the box uh -huh. and they'd be the same book should we'd end up with 30 books of the same title and i got so i was sticking them everywhere i was yeah. taking them home and putting them in the trash you uh -huh. know and so i said to the director she said what do we have to do you know every I said, okay, but can I just catalog just one of those, one of each of those books uh -huh. that we have to have six copies? And she probably did agree to that. Now, you know, some people on the left claim to be open-minded, yeah. but then sometimes was, like, they exclude other things. They did. She excluded anything what? religious. She, anything, <laughs> anything that was, uh, they're a lot, and they're more popular now, but they were just beginning to be popular, uh -huh. religious paperback novels. Like you fiction. Know? Yeah, fiction, yeah. religious fiction. Yeah. And so she just had one big shelf that said religious books, whether they were fiction or nonfiction. Uh -huh. She just didn't want them cataloged. I was a cataloger. Wow. She didn't want them cataloged. She didn't uh -huh. put anything on them. She just, you know, she just didn't want them. But she had to, her librarian and her made her Where do you think, they, them, why you is know? it such a thing with librarians? Because that's a stereotype, but yeah. I, it seems to be true. Cause I, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know because I was, I was the, the rogue, you know, in, in, the, in the librarian group. They used to, I, I finally just disavowed myself. I can't stand it anymore, you know. Some will argue, well, it's the position or it's the thing that yeah. corrupts them. But simply say, well, no, that kind of person just is attracted to. It, it could be. It could be. I don't know why. I couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. And not only that, if I would disagree, uh, like you were okay really with ugly it. about it, you know. So yeah, you I, were okay with them being there. You just want to balance. It's kind yeah, of... yeah. I mean, they would say something that yeah. was really, really liberal, and I would chime in with just a little... Well, maybe it's, you know, something, and, and they just flame away, you know. And so I finally just <laughs> they said, well, tolerant, that's uh, enough. Okay, well, they were not tolerant. No. Okay, well, I always wondered that. And then, in fact, I always remember this. They used to show this film about a witch who made pancakes. I can't remember the name of it, but they were like, you eat these pancakes and you would see a bunch of polka dots. Pancakes! They're not just pancakes. They're the final solution to the unhappiness problem. Go on, try some. It just kind of continued with that trend of yeah. like you had all these occult yeah, books. Yeah, she and... was very much into that. In now, fact, well, do you think she was actually into the occult herself, or or just trying to be open-minded? Uh, maybe a little bit because uh, she was kind of an odd person. Did she ride a broom to work or what? Almost. <laughs> when we built the new library, this is what like she came in and one of the workmen was talking on the telephone uh -huh. and she freaked out and ripped the phone out of the wall. But it turned out the phone bill was being paid by the, the, the contractor at the time. You know, uh, she, she was... She had a yeah, temper. She had a temper. And, uh, but we laughed that the old library was haunted. And, uh -huh. and we now, we, the, everybody in there says that she haunts the new library. Is she dead? No. Oh, yeah. She died while we were decided that it was time to automate. And then she got very sick. Every once in a while, you get the story about, I swear I saw a little bit of a red dress. The red dress was seen in the new life. Really? Yeah. She helped build that. She was, that was her Did she wear red dresses a lot? She wore strange clothes. She was a very, very, yeah, very interesting person. Well, thanks for haunting the wood pile back behind the boneyard with me. And thanks to all my storytellers today, including Danica Bryce, my Violet Machinadza, Immaculate Buchanan, Jill McWhorter Clendening, Terrence Boyce, Candy Ishi, and Judy McBride. In the Corner Back by the Woodpile podcast is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. And a special thanks to thebrofisticate.com. Thank you.